Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. You know, we're talking about reclaiming the promises of God, but in reality, we need to understand that with the promises, there also comes some commands, some requirements, some things God wants us to do. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. When we read that scripture, too often we dismiss it as that's only for those who are missionaries. It's only for pastors who like to go do missions trips overseas. No, I've got news for you. It's for every single one of us. The question is, why don't we fulfill that? And the answer is because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. When you're saved, Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, to live in you. You become a temple of the Most High God. You carry Jesus with you everywhere you go. You are the church. And you're the church no matter where you're at, regardless of the building. You're the church because Jesus has called you, saved you, and set you apart. But if we don't understand what Jesus said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we will never fulfill the potential God has placed in our life. We will never do the things he has destined us to do. We'll sell ourselves short. We'll fail. We'll fall. We won't accomplish what we really want to do because Jesus is in us. If we don't heed, understand, and obey Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts 1.8 is actually the last promise and command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven. Therefore, there is great power in these words that you and I need to be aware of. See, too many times in the Western church, maybe the church worldwide, we attempt to accomplish the works of God through the powers of man. We attempt to accomplish the works of God with our intellect, our education, our personality, our great presentations. I've got news for you, friend. You and I can't do it in and of ourselves any more than the 120 on the day of Pentecost could do it in and of themselves. It requires the power of Holy Spirit working in you and me to accomplish what God has set in our life to be done. It's interesting when you read the book of Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul is talking about going to Athens. And I saw the old descriptions of all the gods and how he went up to reason with the philosophers, the thinkers of the day. When you read Acts chapter 17 in that particular passage, you'll find that Paul didn't see a great result from his reasoning. He no doubt quoted their philosophers, he quoted their literature, he quoted the scripture as well, but he didn't see a great result. Why? I think he answers that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when he says, I didn't come with persuasive words, but I came in the power of God. Matter of fact, let me read it to you, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 2. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm talking to some folks this morning. You have relied upon yourself. You have relied upon your abilities. You've relied upon your personality. You've relied upon your education. But I've come to tell you, it's not enough. 
Because the wisdom and the precise words of men will not turn a heart towards God. What turns hearts towards God? Only the power of Holy Spirit. And I've been praying for this service this morning that those in the room and those watching online now and in the future will be warmed by the power of the Spirit of God. Their hearts will open. You'll want more than what you have now. You'll realize I can't do this on my own. I need supernatural strength, supernatural power. I need the Spirit of the living God living in me, flowing through me, crowning me every day with the glory and the honor of the king oh somebody we need the power of the spirit of god the works of god will never be accomplished through the authority and the power and the wisdom of men so when i read the scriptures i have to come to understand that the same mandate that jesus gave to his disciples before he went into heaven applies to you and me today you see we're to learn from and then replicate the activity of the early church. Let me say it again. We're to learn from and then replicate the activity of the early church. The power of God should be moving in every church where he is lifted up and the Holy Ghost is given free reign to move and do what he wants. We should see miracles. We should see signs and wonders. We should see God doing mighty and miraculous things. We should do what Peter and John and Paul did in those early days. You say, are you really serious? Oh yes, I'm really serious. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will advance the church of Jesus Christ. Our advertising, our slick promotion, our, our promotion on television and radio will never get us there minus the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the key. He can take what we have to offer. He can anoint it. He can bless it. And he can make it so powerful that lives are changed for years and years and years to come. Yes, we're to replicate the works of the early church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said it this way in Romans 1.16, and this scripture is for some of you in this room because you've been closet Christians. You love Jesus, but you don't tell anybody. You slip in the back late and you leave early because you don't want anybody to bother you. Don't want my wife to hug you. You're missing it, I'm telling you that right now. You see, you don't really want to be open and public with your faith. But Paul said it this way in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to cast off the shame. It's time to cast off those things that have kept you bound and move into the place where Holy Spirit dynamically fills you with power. See, this is what we're supposed to do. Jesus said in Mark 16, beginning in verse 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. That's the great commission. But then Jesus said, this is how they will know you're representing me. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. 
They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When I read that verse, my mind goes to so many places where I've seen that demonstrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember the little boy in Bangladesh who had not spoken a word. He was six years old, deaf and dumb, couldn't speak. His mother brought him to that service. I remember laying hands on him, praying the power of God would touch his life. And I was there when he spoke his first word. There's power in the name of Jesus. I remember the young man down in central Mexico who came to a service. He loved God. He was a believer. But he wanted more. And when I gave the invitation, he came down. I laid hands on him, praying that God would fill him with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I heard a Mexican who had never spoke a lick of English in his entire life begin praising God in my tongue in a language that I understood because that's the power of God. Come on, folks. We got to realize this is the mandate of the church. We are living in a difficult day. We're living in a, a very, very tumultuous age. And it's time for you and I to recognize we can only accomplish what God calls us to accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit. On their own, minus the power of the Holy Spirit, those 120 folks on the day of Pentecost would have achieved nothing. But God knew that they were going to need some major firepower. And because he knew that, he said, go and tarry, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And you know what happened, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. You can read it for yourself. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and one place. And a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and cloven tongues of fire set on each one of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to return to the power of God. It's time to come back and embrace all that God wants to do for us. You need to write this down and remember it because some of you get the Holy Ghost jeebies. Some of you think it's about jumping up and down or falling out or speaking in tongues or giving a word. I've got news for you. The reason Holy Spirit was poured out on planet Earth is to give power to those recipients to become witnesses unto Jesus Christ. That's the reason he came. Read it. It's very clear in Scripture. That's why God sent Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Why do I preach that so strongly to you? Because you need to know and understand there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And every man, woman, boy, and girl walking in shoe leather has to make the choice. Will I serve Jesus or will I serve myself and the enemy? Will I go to heaven or will I be in hell? Every man, woman, boy, and girl needs to understand that that is what God sent Jesus to do. Make a way where there seems to be no way. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. That's why he said, I am the light of the world. That's why he said, I am the bread of life. That's why he said, I am living water. Oh, come on, somebody, hear me. It's time to understand the purpose of Holy Spirit coming to planet Earth is not to make you jump, dance, and sing, and shout. It's to fill you with the power that will enable you to open your mouth and speak the wondrous works of God. Be a witness unto him. You know, I was thinking about that early this morning. 
I was thinking about the fact that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I was thinking about what it's going to be like when we leave this life and make it to heaven, whether it be through death or whether it be through the return of Jesus Christ. And I begin to think, you know what? I want to be there. I want to be one of the throng around the throne singing the praises of the Most High God again and again and again. I want to be there when those who are redeemed by the Lamb of God lift their voices and lift their hands to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be there. I want to be there. I want my voice to be a part. I want to be there to sing the song of the redeemed. I want to sing the song. Angels cannot sing, but you and I can because we've been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ and we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I thought about that, I thought about one more thing. I want you to consider this. I don't want to stand there empty-handed. I don't want to appear before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and have nothing to offer from my life. But when I stand there, I want to be able to look back and say, Lord, those thousands came to know you because I preached your word. Those thousands came into the kingdom because you sent me for a time and a place. You appointed me and destined me for that moment in their lives. And you connected with them by the power of the Holy Ghost. And now they too are redeemed. Oh, come on, folks. You don't want to stand before the throne empty-handed. You want to stand before the throne laying your sheaves before him. The results of your harvest before him. Three things I want to share with you about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Three things that he has promised for our lives. First, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives us inspired divine insight and knowledge. He gives us things that we would never think of or dream of ourselves. It comes directly from the throne of the living God. How do I know that? We'll read Acts chapter 2. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost when those who had heard them talking in their languages asked what's going on. And Peter began to preach from the word, taking them back through the prophets, leading them to the cross, talking about the resurrection and declaring Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when he did, they said, what do we have to do now? What do we have to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. 3,000 people, the Bible says, came to the Lord on that day. 3,000. I want you to think about this. When Moses came down off the top of Mount Sinai with those stone tablets that the God had carved the law on with his finger, and he saw what had happened, that the Israelites had built a golden calf and they were worshiping it. Listen, here's the point. If you stray too far away from the fire... If you move too far away from the Lord, if you move too far away from the source, you're going to find yourselves reverting to the familiar, reverting to those old habits, reverting to those old ideas, reverting to those old practices and behaviors. 
But if you will stay close to him, if you will say, walk with me today, Lord, talk to me today, Lord, fill me with your spirit, relieve me, help me to have the strength to overcome temptation, enable me to rise above what enemy puts in my path. If you'll do that, then I can assure you, Holy Ghost is going to come, he's going to fill your life, and then one day you're going to realize that familiar is gone, that habit is broken, that behavior is not no longer a part of your life. Why? Because in walking with Jesus, you walked away from that. In walking with Jesus, you entered a new way of life. In walking with Jesus, you discovered new power. In walking with Jesus, you discovered wisdom and insight and guidance. In walking with Jesus, you were filled with the power from on high. Oh, come on. When we walk with the Lord, He takes us away from the familiar sin, from the familiar habits, and He takes us into new places. Some of you have been on the same ground for years. Yeah, you came to an altar. Yeah, you asked God to forgive you of your sins. Yeah, you're trying to live for him. But you've never moved from where you're at when you first got saved. I came to tell you that is not God's will for your life. You can't stay stuck and please the Lord. You've got to move on and move forward in him. You got to see what God can do in a mighty way in your life because his anointing will break the yokes off of your life and bring you liberty and bring you freedom. When you read the book of Acts chapter 5, you see this operating, this principle of divine insight and knowledge. Chapter 4 tells us that a lot of folks who lived in Jerusalem had sold their goods, their possessions, even their property, and given it to the church for the care of all the saints. Because there were a lot of people there who didn't live in Jerusalem. They weren't working. They didn't have food. They didn't have a place to stay. So those believers in Jerusalem sold what they had. They gave it to the church. They dispersed it so everyone was taken care of. Ananias and Sapphira were believers. But when they saw the acclamation that came to Barnabas, the appreciation that came to him because he sold his property and gave it, they wanted some of that. They were jealous. And so they devised a scheme whereby they could get some of that. Somebody to pat me on the back. Someone to say, wow, you are super spiritual. Someone to say, I've never seen faith like that in my entire life. So they sold some property. And then Ananias went in and he gave Peter the gift and he said, this is from the sale of our property. And Peter said, is this all of it? Now listen, it was his property. He could do with it what he wanted to do with it. It didn't matter to God if he gave a part or if he gave it all. It didn't matter. But he had decided, I'm going to hold part of it back and tell Peter, yeah, that's all of it. So he said, yes, Peter, that's all of it. That's what we got for the property. Bam! The Holy Ghost struck him dead. Better watch that jealousy stuff. It'll lead you to a spirit of lying, and that spirit of lying will bring death into your life. Listen, I'm speaking to somebody. You need to read the book one more time because it says all liars have their place in the hell. All liars. You need to get that out of your life. This morning, receive the power of God to break those spirits off of you and walk in the spirit of the living God. So a few hours later, well, they carried him out. A few hours later, his wife came in, Sapphira. Peter said, is this all for the sale of the property? Oh, yes, Peter, that's all. Bam! One more time, the Holy Ghost struck her dead. They carried her out. 
Bible says great fear came upon the church. Why? Because suddenly they realized they were dealing with a holy God who would not tolerate unholy attitudes and lifestyles in his presence. Oh, somebody, come on, you need to clean it up. You need to get away from it. You need to walk away, not in your own self, but by the power of the living God moving and operating in your life. You sit there like this every Sunday. Sit like this in your living room, in your den. You're receiving the word saying, man, this is wonderful, but you're not allowing God to apply it to your hearts. You're receiving the promises and you're saying, this is wonderful, but you're not allowing the surgeon, King Jesus, to take a scalpel and cut away the things that he's not wanting in your life. Love the way you're shouting now. It's amazing how we go from, oh, that's wonderful to, oh me, why is he doing that? Because I want to see you in heaven I want you to make it but friends I'm here to tell you today there are things the Spirit of God will not tolerate in your life you need to clean it up cut it out and let God bring power into your life no I'm not preaching the clothesline no I'm not preaching legalism I'm preaching that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and that has to mean something that is to carry a mandate. That is to bring some demands upon your life. The gospel does put demands on you and I. This easy gospel that's been preached in America for the last 50 years tells us, oh, just say a little prayer and then go live like you want to live. I come to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. Or this gospel that recently has been being preached of grace, grace, grace. And I love grace. I believe in grace. But I believe where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And that is translated to say, when there is sin in my life, there's enough grace to overcome it. There is more grace than I need. I don't have to stay in that place or that position. I can call on the grace of God. There's more than enough to deliver me, to set me free, and to put my feet on God's pathway. Amen. That's good preaching. Number two, Holy Spirit brings direction and God's timing into our lives. Have you ever just been so caught up and burned within you to do something for God and just couldn't get it off the ground? Maybe you're out of God's direction and maybe you're out of God's timing. Paul experienced that. He wanted to go one way, but the man from Macedonia in a vision said to him, No, Paul, don't go over there. Come here because we need your words. Sometimes in our human element, in our mind, in our intelligence, we think this is the way to do it. This is what God's asking us to do. When in reality, he has a completely different plan. And we've got to be open to receiving the direction and the timing that God wants to pour into our lives. When you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you realize that the disciples really didn't understand their mission. They were in the two verses preceding 6 and 7, they were expecting an earthly kingdom and Jesus Christ to preside over it. He told them, you don't worry about that. And then verse 8, but after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. They really didn't understand their mission. 
Their expectation was something completely different. It required direction, timing, illumination by the Spirit of God for them to understand what Jesus was wanting them to do. So here's my question. Do we understand our mission? Or are we kind of like the disciples? We're just very content. We're just happy to be where we're at. We really don't want anyone to disrupt us. We want to preach the gospel right here at All Nations Church. We want to see people transformed right here. But, oh, pastor, don't you dare ask us to go anywhere else. So every Sunday, we preach the gospel. This represents the gospel. We preach the gospel again and again and again. Every Sunday, we see the same faces. Every Sunday, we hug believers and say, I'm so glad you're a part of the body of Christ. Every Sunday, we do the same thing to reach the same people with the same methods and the same means. All the while, the Spirit of God is calling us to get out of the comfort zone. All the while, the Spirit of God is saying, there's a harvest field. But you know what we do? The next Sunday, we come right back and we do it all over again. And we give it the gospel one more time to all all those who have heard a million times one more time we come back and we preach to those that are right in front of us and we ignore those that are lost and dying right outside our doors every Sunday we do it again and again and again we ignore the great commission and we come back and we do it again and we say my pastor what a powerful message I am so touched by that well stop being church touched and start being changed it's time for the power of God to flow in our lives because once again we preach the gospel again and again and again to the same people who sit in the same places to sing the same songs to respond the same way when in fact there is yet a world to be reached and so occasionally we'll step out of where we're at and we'll preach the gospel to somebody new We'll take to those who've never heard. We'll say, we bless you. We honor you. We want you to be a part of the kingdom. We take missions trips and missions teams. And we go around the world. And occasionally, we do what God has already called us to do. Occasionally, we step out of our comfort zone. Occasionally, we take the gospel to those who have never heard. Occasionally, we open our hearts and we hear the Spirit of God. And He says, do it again. But we don't. We come back and we preach the gospel to the same folks that have heard it a thousand times. To the same folks who have heard it and yet not responded to the same folks that have heard it. Yet we still sit in our pews and we hear the same thing again and again and again and again. And we ignore the fact that outside of these walls there's a world that is dying. There are sinners that are lost and going to a devil's hell. There are people who are in turmoil that need the peace of God. Oh friend, let me ask you, how is it right? That so few have heard so much, while so many have heard so little. How is it right? Because that's the way we do church. Because that's the way we fulfill the Great Commission. Because we think we're doing what God has called us to do, when in fact we're doing the exact opposite of what God has called us to do. 3.3 billion people, 40% of the people on this planet have never even heard the name 
of Jesus Christ. Yet we keep preaching. We keep sharing. We keep encouraging. You see, those 120 would have never understood their mission. Listen to me and listen carefully. If they had not been submitted to pressure and persecution. Acts 7, Stephen is martyred. First martyr for Christianity. And after that, it says the disciples left, going to every place preaching the gospel. I believe, if not for pressure and persecution, that have stayed right there in Jerusalem because that's where they received the power. That's the experience they remember. That's the place they identify. Somebody, you need to hear me today. You need to get out of that place you're at and find a new place. You need to come to the presence of God. You need to allow God to shake you up and stir you up and cause you to be ignited and on fire for the purposes of the kingdom. And until you do, you'll be dissatisfied in that church. You'll be unhappy in that church. You'll become a nitpicker, a complainer, one who always finds something wrong. But I've got news for you. When you find a place where the power of God is moving and flowing, you can see the errors. You can see the mistakes. You can see the imperfections. But you look beyond them because you're seeing something much, much greater. You're not seeing man. You're seeing the Holy Ghost of God who always reveals Jesus Christ. I encourage you, get into a church that preaches and believes in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you do, God will change your life and use that to change others. Acts chapter 8 verses 4. Verse 4 and 5, it says, Those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. And Philip went to Samaria. What did Jesus say? Acts 1.8. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll receive power to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, which is where they're at. In Judea, which is kind of like Leon County. In Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. Let's translate that differently. When you have the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life, this is what's going to happen. He's going to fill your mouth with words of witness. He's going to fill you with courage and strength. He's going to give you a boldness that doesn't come from your personality, but comes from the throne of God. And you will be able to speak wonderful works of life, wonderful works of God to those around you. Beginning where you live, but not stopping there. Reaching this area, but not stopping there. Going to Samaria, and here's the key. Samaria was despised by the Jews. Samaria is the place nobody wanted to go. Do you remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria to get to Bethany? The disciples objected because they didn't want to go to that contaminated, unclean place, that place that Judaism had written off. They wanted nothing to do with that. But Jesus said, I've got to go there. And in Acts 1.8, he said, you've got to go there. You've got to go to Samaria. Got to go to the places you're uncomfortable. Talk to the people that aren't like you. Share words of life to those who maybe have never heard. Even right here in Tallahassee, I know you think this is unbelievable, but it's true. There are people right in this city who have never heard the gospel message. Who never heard Jesus saves. Oh, they know, the word, they know the word Jesus. They use it as a curse word all the time. But they don't know him as Savior. They don't know what he can do in their lives. 
Folks, it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up, stop sitting in a seat, and go tell somebody that Jesus is alive. Tell somebody that Jesus will save and heal and deliver. Let him take you to the places you're not comfortable with. And see what he will do in your heart and in your life. Acts chapter 9, you know the story. Saul with orders in his pocket to arrest Christians in Damascus. Had an encounter with Jesus. On the road to Damascus, he was blinded. And the, the Lord said to him, go to the house that I've appointed and wait for someone to come and pray for you. Then he spoke to Ananias and he said, go to this house. Saul is there. He needs you to pray for him. And you know what Ananias said? No way. I'm not doing that. He's going to kill me. And then this is what the Lord said to him. No, you don't understand. He's been appointed to bear my name to the Gentiles. Listen, I'm telling you. Those people that you walk away from, those people that you refuse to have contact with, may be the very ones that God has appointed to bear life and light to those you and I may never reach. Don't sell it short. Don't sell it short. You see, here's the key. We have to keep going until he comes back. We have to keep going until he comes back. Acts 4.33 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection, and great grace was upon them all. Well, there's a key there. Don't miss it. When you live in the power of God and bear witness to Jesus Christ, He gives you grace to walk through anything at any time. He gives you the strength to keep on going. He gives you the strength to get out of bed every morning and say, I've got a word. I've got a message. I've got to find somebody to tell Jesus is alive and Jesus saves. Love the way you're shouting now. It's not going to get any better. We're almost to the end. Better pull your toes back under your seat because I'm coming. You see, we need to understand that Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth or send out laborers into the harvest field. The word send forth, sent out, is from the Greek word ekbalo. And that word means to thrust out, to eject. It's the same word that was used when Jesus cast out demons. But now he's applying it to the church. It means he's going to push you out with force. Push me out with force. Cause us to go. Give us the power to walk out of our place of comfortableness and walk into a place of challenge by the Holy Spirit. He wants to thrust us out, push us out. Now, I'm not saying don't come to church. I need you to come to church because I hate preaching to empty, empty seats. But I'm saying when you leave this service, he's going to thrust you out. He wants you into the harvest field. He doesn't want you sitting here two or three times a week soaking it up without ever giving something back. Come on, it's time to recognize that spirituality from Christ in us is not a reservoir for us to contain. It's a river for us to allow to flow. And when we allow the Spirit of God to flow through our lives, amazing things begin to happen. 
In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah had seen the Lord. He had a mighty vision. And the Lord said, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. So my question to you this morning, is there anyone in this room who will go? Is there anyone in this room who will go? I will go. Send me. Send me. I will go. Send me. Is there anyone who will go? No. I will go. Send me. 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 Is there anyone who will go? Is there anyone who will go? Our knights are coming to the front now. They led this charge. They're saying, I will go, send me. Tom, would you come back, please? I will go, send me. Folks, today the Lord is looking for people who will go, who will say, send me. Who will say, wherever you want to take me, take me. He's looking for men and women who will stand up and step in. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, step out to reap the harvest for Jesus Christ. He's saying, who will go? Who will go? These men have answered, I will go. Send me. I will go. Send me. Stand to your feet with me this morning. If you're here today and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to forgive your sins in just a moment. I'm going to give a general invitation. If that's you, you come and stand in front of one of these guys. You tell them what you need and they're going to pray for you and Jesus will come into your life. If you're here this morning and you've been sitting on the pew way too long, you're ready to be activated, to put into the game, to step into the harvest field and you're saying I will go send me then right now I want you to step out and come and stand in front of these knights don't wait right now step out and come and stand in front of one of these knights they're going to pray for you come on church it's time to say I will go I will go I will go send me send me Egbalo thrust me into the harvest field come on it's your time it's your moment this is your opportunity step out i will go i'm not asking you to go to africa i'm not asking you to go to china i'm asking you to live the life every single day in front of those that you know to speak a word that will change life you're saying by doing that i will go send me come on there's more of your holy ghost is talking to you he's not finished there's a lot more of you in this room that need to be saying i'm going to do what god's asking me to do. I will go. Maybe you are a goer. Well, I'll tell you what, this morning you'll receive a fresh anointing if you'll just step out and come and say, Lord, I want more. I want more grace. I want more power. I want more. Lord, I want more. Just step out right now and come. I want more. I'm not satisfied. These nights are going to pray and the Holy Ghost is going to fall upon you and you'll be changed today as a goer. Come on. God's talking to you. God's talking to you. Don't stand there. Some of you teens 
means God's talking to you. It's time to step out and step in and say, I will go. I want more of you. I want the power of God to flow through my life in my high school. I want him to flow through my life in my team. I want him to flow through my life in my home. Come on, teens. God's talking to you. Step out and come. Let us pray for you and receive the power of the living God into your heart and in your life. Sing it, Tom. something you might need to realize on the day of Pentecost all 120 in that upper room were filled with the power of the Spirit of God it wasn't just 12 it was everyone that was there so I'm saying to you today this is for you as well the promise is to you to your children to all them that are far off even to as many as the Lord our God shall call don't let fear keep you in the seat don't let a lack of knowledge keep you in the seat don't let your religion keep you in the seat. God is calling you today to step out, be filled with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, and then go into a lost and a dying world. Sing it, Tom. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church, on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.